Hello and welcome. This time, John Deere and Dave Thomas, that's me, are back from space in the familiar surroundings of Italy. Only everyone speaking Spanish. Yep, it must be a Paul Nashi movie. As we tackle 1975's A Dragonfly for Each Corpse, aka Un Libelula para Cada Muerto, directed by Leon Klimovsky. Please join us. Paolo, the commissioner's been asking for you. We found this again. Another murder, Paolo. The same dragonfly as the other times. All the victims were directly related to the underworld. The problem is, the killer hasn't taken any rest lately. The ones who should take a rest are his future victims. Drug addicts, whores, and some of the well-known trash around town. All garbage. I understand your obsession. It's your profession. Bloody dragonflies. You're the killer. You're the killer. <laughs> sure. It could be the professor. As well as any other person. Oh, no. Anyway, nobody has to take offense. We all know one another. I can't take any more of it, Ruggiero. My husband's getting unbearable. They could have followed you here. We have cops all around us, prying into everything. Necrophilia is a very expensive vice, Professor. They'll fall one by one, because my sole object is to clean up this corrupt city. Yours truly, the Dragonfly Killer. As per spoiler warning for all of the third act spoilers, which we discussed pretty much from the beginning of the episode on, and content warning for gendered violence and outmoded LGBTIQ stereotypes. Oh, feels good. The film we're looking at here, A Dragonfly for Each Corpse, um, I understand is, is, is relatively obscure. Um, yeah, until recently, comparatively so, yes. And I also read it was never shown in Italy. No, it was shown in Italy. Oh, it was, okay. Uh, but it was some, it was like a couple of years after it came out in Spain, and it was kind of marketed as not a jello, uh, which is kind of interesting. So, so yeah, it did have a release, but it was a somewhat perfunctory, belated release. Right. So we should probably say this is, despite the fact that it's meant to be Italian, set in Italy, it's set in Milan, isn't it? Yes. Um, it's shot, and most of the cast are Spanish. Yeah, I th- there is there is some stuff. Um, I think there are some bits that they did shoot on location, but the vast majority of it, and they they super lean into look, it's Italy, everyone. Um, there's a Lavana sign. There's lots of chink- everyone drives Cinquecentos. Yeah, I think I think my favourite example is right at the beginning, um, and we'll get onto the plot. But uh, there's a guy buying some drugs off another guy in front of a an off license window, and there's just like as many Cinzano bottles as you can possibly fit into a scene. Um, but <laughs> crucially, no JMB. No J and B. Yeah, they, they they clearly did not have the same contract uh, in in Spanish jelly. <laughs> Can we not call this Amarillo? 
you see, I think it should be called an Amarillo, but I don't think anyone else has ever made that joke apart from us the last time we did uh, a Spanish one. Oh, shit, have I made that joke before? I can't remember. <laughs> Get new material. That's going really well. Um, and I recognised... So there are some Italians in it, because I recognised the woman from the night Evelyn came out of the grave. That's right, Erica Blank. Yeah, so it, it was actually, funnily enough, sort of the opposite of the way this normally worked which is it will be an italian uh sort of starting point with some european money from another country and some actors quite often spain which you know one of the reasons why jally were pretty popular in spain was because you know there were a lot of co-productions and you'd get people like alberto de mendoza you know cast as always a bad guy but you know he they would show up and this is kind of the opposite so it's a spanish production but with some italian money which is why erica blank who is italian is in it so um so yeah it's interesting that like it, it's kind of playing on the uh the popularity of the giallo in both italy and spain but ultimately uh a, a bit a, a bit sort of after the the sort of horse had bolted really yeah it's you can see it's trying to do the style like the the design of the the flats Mm. Mm. um it's trying to be colorful and it has a lurid that lurid um overacting quality that it's was heightened quality rather Mm. but it's in as well however there's the plot doesn't make it feel like a jello in the same way more like a police procedural almost well see that that's kind of telling because so this this actually was shooting around about summer 73 uh but it didn't come out in spain until 75 late in 75 um franco's dead then uh yeah i guess but at that point he he must have been now i don't know i don't know what what caused the, you know the the delay because you know as with all of these things you know it it didn't take 2 years to shoot by any means uh probably 2 weeks um but so but even by kind of 73 the kind of the the you know jelly and we talked about this but kind of the peak jelly is sort of you know when it of what we kind of recognize as as full on jelly is kind of 70 to 72 73 ish um and by 73 they're already kind of starting to you know the poliziotteschi which is the you know the sort of cop gangster mafia movie is becoming significantly more popular and there's that kind of you know there's those few sort of jelly poliziotteschi hybrids where you know the instead of it being kind of an amateur sleuth and the cops being a sort of letting them get on with it or be just completely useless yeah you know you get you do get those few films a bit like um uh what have they done to your daughters that mm. we did where the cops are kind of leading the charge so this is kind of doing that it um, is however it's very much a one-man show in terms of the police because yes any involvement he has with as regards sort of wider support for investigating uh, these murders comes from his girlfriend. Yes, yes, which I actually rather like. Yeah. <laughs> to the extent um, that she goes off and does because she's all about feeling. He's all about um, he's all about empirical evidence. But she's the, she and she's the heart to his to, to 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 his head. But nevertheless, that's not how you conduct police investigations. 
<laughs> well, I mean, and there's also some inference that, like, he, he's he's not actually very good. Yes. Uh, you know, he there, there, there's at least three points in the film where another policeman has to stop him from beating a suspect, which is quite unusual because, like, in an Italian one, they would just beat the suspect. Um, but, yeah, he's sort of, you know, talked down. And then there's a bit near the beginning where he has a discussion with his commissioner who's sort of saying, you know, if you solve this, this is your chance to get out from under this, you know, whatever it was that you did before that everyone thinks you're a tosser and, you know, incompetent and whatever. And you don't ever really learn what that case is, but there's just something that happened in the past, which is why everyone sort of hates him. <laughs> which is, He's quite masculine, isn't he? Well, that's because it's Paul Nashy, I right. think, more than okay. anything. Um, Permanently has a cigar in his mouth. He does. And... In in some quite amusing moments as well. Now I think a lot. I, I think that's actually meant to be quite tongue in cheek. I think some of it is is intentional humour. Some of it isn't, but the, there are certainly bits like at the the bit where um, Silvana uh, Inspector Paolo uh, Paolo Scaparella, uh, none more Italian name, played by Paul Nashi, is is having a bath, having had a you know just discovered some more dead people. Uh, and even in the bath where his his you know lovely sexy sil- girlfriend Silvana uh, played by Erica Blank is washing his back he's still sitting there with a cigar in his mouth which is quite quite funny <laughs> anyway anyway yeah it's um in some ways it's quite a basic plot it's person bumps off people who they consider to be um, the dregs of society mm criminals which is sort of fairly tr- at this even by this point it's kind of fairly tried and tested right well, i suppose they're not all criminals but it starts off primarily with people committing actual crimes and then it sort of moves on to perverts and homosexuals and and but then they're all my, more kind of potentially involved with the killer so i think there's a there's a bit of crossover there there is but it's for example, it's it seems to be like he, there's this sort of vigilante style the killer's doing. The killer writes to the police saying, "I'm I'm mm. cur- I'm cleaning up the city. I'm basically do- doing you a favour." Mm. But the first person he goes after is the guy who buys the drugs. Mm-hmm. Someone sells him the drugs. Can he go after him? He's he's a bigger problem. Indeed. Well, he he does eventually get to the drug kingpin, who's also a cross-dressing nightclub performer. It's a whole. It's you know, there's a lot going on, <laughs> and, yeah, if, and, and it does has it also has the best slash worst getaway ever, because if you're going oh, on the roller coaster, to, if you're going to do a getaway in a theme park, don't just get on a roller coaster. Your 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 route is predictable. Indeed, we'll just we'll just wait here. We got on. We'll just, we'll just come back round. <laughs> yeah, eventually he'll be back here. Rather than yeah. you know, run. And he's not even the killer. He's yeah. He's no no. But you think he might be? Indeed, yes. There are a lot of red herrings, literal they, they, they red herrings, are, and that's why it's more like a like a police procedural because you have this sort of impromptu party with the the inspector and his um, and his friends, and they all um, talk and they all opine and they all have their vices and they all have their secrets, and you're being set up to to suspect them all at various times of being the killer, which on the one hand is an interesting play for doing it, like an Agatha Christie. Mm. On the other, you're cutting it down to it's one of about four people. Yes. 
Uh, and I think in some ways that works against it. Mm. Because you're now, yeah. it's going to be someone in this room. One of them, it clearly isn't, because the professor who likes to have sex with girls in coffins um, is seemingly framed for the death of uh, a stripper mm. um, when she's killed in a coffin. It clearly isn't him. So that narrows yep. it down to about, well, three, three other people. Now, I did wonder if it could be, if it was, was gonna, the killer was going to be a woman, particularly as most of the victims are actually men in this. Yeah. Um, but yes, then the, sh- the shots you see of the rather snazzy red trousers and the movement suggest, suggest a man, and it, it, is, it is a man. Mm. So there's only like three or four real options of, 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 of who it could be. And the 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 big letdown I felt after thinking that quite a lot of this was promising, particularly in the first half, mm. I quite liked the build up, was the motivation, which is entirely perfunctory. Yes, it is a bit of an afterthought, isn't it? Yeah. I was expecting right. this letdown of like society is fucked. Yeah, but you know, mm. a bit of seven, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well there is a head in a box. Exactly. And don't they do the head in the box well by putting the box on the table and then having an extra stick his head through under the table? I know. Isn't it great? Yeah. And the box has a yellow bow because it's a jello. Yes. Ah, okay. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that follows. That's the that's Mohammed, the un, the otherwise unseen sort of uh, kingpin of the... Of... Yeah, he, pop, he pops up once, doesn't he? Because he's talking to the professor in the... In the nightclub. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, when when they're watching the stripper that that he's going to shag in the coffin, who then gets murdered by the killer. Yes, and he also seems to um, be in charge of a, a gang of uh, neo Nazis. Neo Nazis, which is who, quite um, impressive, and nothing to do with the plot. No, um, they <laughs> provide some filler material for for, for Neshi to have a fight with when mm. he's basically lured. Uh, lured there to be disposed of, and they say, you know, leave Mohammed alone. Mm. Um, so on the one hand, it's interesting because like Mohammed seems a big shot. Then Mohammed gets killed by the killer. Mm. So Mohammed isn't all that. But I'm also quite sceptical of neo Nazis that follow a bloke called Mohammed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but it's really interesting though because like when they were making this, you know, it it was. Still under a fascist regime, and they're like Nazis. They're bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see towards the end of towards the end of um, Franco's reign um, that things are politically more uh, a more free in terms of expression in terms of films than you than you otherwise might than you otherwise might expect. Mm. And I think there was the unspoken rule at the time that there would be no coup. We'll just wait for Franco to die, and then mm. we'll slowly go back to being a constitutional monarchy again, and we'll and we'll you know. Try and sweep that under the carpet. Obviously, mm. there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot, quite a lot of baggage, um, which Spain <laughs> really hasn't dealt fully with even even now. But nevertheless, um, yeah. considering you know there was a non-aggression pact, this guy did a non-aggression pact with Hitler, and Hitler yeah. helped, and you know the Nazis provided support for him to win the to win to win the civil war. You know, it's fairly it, it's it's mm. it's yeah, it's it's fairly loose in terms of. Censorship, and as regards mm. as this as well, I mean, you know, there's tits everywhere uh, for this because it's you know it's an it's an amarillo. Well, so there, there would not there were not tits in the Spanish release. Oh, really? So that, well, that's that... the the, ver- the version that you're seeing is the 
international print, which is something that Spanish oh, uh, okay. Spanish exploitation stuff did pretty much as a rule for, for you know any international release. I see. That must have cut down uh, his girlfriend's role quite considerably. Well, they they would just do alternate takes with, uh, oh, with you know, slinky blouses and such. Rather than just one bit where she's going through... Um, uh, the evidence start. The evidence yeah. stopped. She just takes home with him, and his wife goes with it while she's just sitting there in the bath. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> it's not. It's it's, it's non care. Oh, and doesn't the um, the professor guy, uh, the one who's like who likes to be in sort of socially acceptable necrophiliac, doesn't he look like Jess Franco? He does look a bit like Jess Franco, actually. <laughs> to, to the extent I went, is that Jess Franco? No, no, it isn't Jess Franco. But yeah. Yes, it's a regular collaborator of Nashi's Eduardo Calvo. Right. Um, who turns up in a, a few... He's actually got a, a, almost like a stock company. It's not really a stock company, but he worked with the same people a lot because he clearly seemed to like working with actors. You know, if they, he thought they were decent, um, they would come back. But uh, anyway, shall we, shall we try and give this semblance of a plot a rundown? Go on then. As we mentioned, it kind of starts off with a guy buying drugs. There's a lot of neck beards in this. Or, or beards without mustaches, which is was clearly a, a Spanish thing because I don't think you see it a lot in the Italian films of the period. And it's the, like the sort of fourth time it happened. I was like, is is this a joke? Is this a gag? Or is this just like a you know clearly popular at the time? Mm. Um, anyway, so so the uh, the drug buyer uh, heads home. Uh, he is. Uh, he drives into his driveway. There's a little uh, editing mistake because the shadow of his car disappears before uh, the next car drives into shot. So they clearly cut it too. Early. Um, he's then murdered by uh, someone in red trousers. Uh, with a very long sword. And a very long sword, as it were. Um, splattering blood about the place. Um, now, it's an Italian setting, A, because of the Italian money, and B, because, you know, Spanish horror, again under franco things like this didn't happen in spain so you know you would you would set it somewhere else um anyway but things uh, like tombs of the blind dead that would happen in spain wouldn't it? yeah but you know sort of supernatural horror i think was a slightly different beast as opposed to you know there, there are no heroin addicts in you know franco's paradise uh so you know that would then be the uh um, set elsewhere and it's interesting because like actual jelly as we saw uh well not last time because last time we were in space um but the time before that with uh, mrs ward in um uh vienna isn't it yes it's like that th- they would you know quite often quite deliberately issue the film being set in italy because italians didn't find that 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 interesting but here they're really laying on as we said the the italianness of it all uh with, with you know Paolo Scaparella and and uh, Professor Sandro Campitelli and lots of names of that nature. Um, anyway, so uh, Paul Nashi is the aforementioned uh, expect- Inspector Scaparella. Uh, he hates perverts. We discover as he's about to beat a uh, beat a flasher. Um, is he a flasher? Or a pe- anyway, peeping tom, possibly. I can't remember. Um, well, he hasn't got but, any trousers on, has he? That's right. He's a yeah. He's a, he's exposing himself to young women in the park. Um, uh, he's then pulled in by the commissioner, 
who also has a beard only and no moustache, uh, played by Vidal Molina, who was another sort of pretty regular Nashi collaborator. I don't think they were related, even though Paul Nashi's real name is uh, Jacinto Molina, and he also wrote this under his uh, his actual name. And he's given the case of the dragonfly murders because all of the, these cases of undesirables being murdered a a plastic dragonfly is left at the scene of the crime for for no reason that's ever really explained except we need an animal in the title um so you know hence isn't it meant to be some the, symbol of um vice or oh possibly the dragonfly i don't, I don't know Maybe. That's, that's what they say it is yeah that's know, true if a dragonfly is is, is particularly vice filmed is it though I don't anyway know. I could have researched that. I, 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 didn't, I think they just say it. You know, yeah. Um, the devil sends a dragonfly to tempt Jesus in the world. Is that is that an actual thing, or did you make that? No, up? I made that. <laughs> nice. Um, I like the fact that I could have, I could, I could, I could have, I could have strung that out for a bit. Yeah, I can, I can always cut that out and see if we get an email. <laughs> um, uh, so then there is a prostitute called uh, Lucia um, who is at the at a bar talking about um, Mohammed who runs all the vice and wanting to get away from him. And then she goes out uh, to presumably ply her trade and is stabbed by the red trousered person with an umbrella sword. So, you know, mixing it up. Um, well, and... I suppose like if, he, if he's around and knew where she was, it might be a bit conspicuous if he was just carrying a sword, wasn't it? Indeed. Um, and, and she's pursued by this sort of slightly creepy looking hairy chap uh who it will turn out is uh is a friend of well actually he's kind of not really a friend of scaparelli but i'll come on to that um who is clearly therefore suspicious we discovered so scaparelli has a has a partner i think she's his girlfriend rather than his wife but they clearly yeah. live together and um are sort of you know very close this is my favorite bit of the film actually the two of them um Silvana and, and Scaparella, uh, because they have this sort of the, the, like typically in a jelly where everyone acts in such a weird, horrible way. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising if he has a girlfriend, but he's also he also sleeps with one of the suspects or sleeps with the villain or something like that. Um, but they actually seem to be this sort of quite nice kind of chill couple who get on and and you know it's not like you know he's always off doing solving a case, so she's miserable. Um, and the thing it reminded me of in a, in a sort of slightly oblique way is in um, Frenzy, uh, Alec McCowan and his wife mm. have that sort of, you know, it, it's, it's it, you know, what that's much more played for laughs, but but it, in sort of still quite a swi- quite sweet way. Um, and I think the two of them together, are the thing that I sort of really stuck out to me on the first time I watched this. Um, she is a fashion designer and she has this cadre of of quite sort of rich kind of snobby friends and there's there's a little bit i mean in a sort of better film i think it would have come through more but there is a little bit of needle when they go to this dinner party about you know he he's he's like a cop and sort of working class and they're all you know one's an architect uh we don't really find out what the other one does there's another there's a gay guy who works in the fashion industry one of them's like a like a manufacturer or something because they're going to work yes. in this factory, don't they? Factory, yeah, yeah. So, so they're all kind of you know captains of industry in some way, and and their and their wives who are all cheating on them, which will be important. Um, there's another bunch of murders where a guy who, uh, again, I think he's just a drug user, possibly, um, and a couple of uh, naked girls at his flat because you know haven't any boobs yet. Um, 
get murdered, Bush and he well. meant uh, yeah, Bush as well. Um, he manages to grab a quite a fancy button off the killer's coat, uh, which is a big clue. Uh, and this is sort of where Silvana kind of gets involved initially because she's like, I think I know, you know, I've seen that button before. Uh, I will put my gay friend, uh, who is Vittorio, um, who's another uh, played by another um, Nashi regular, uh, to see if he can track it down. Um, but it's sort of in, in between there, there's the sort of dinner party. Now, as you mentioned before, the dinner party is really important because one of these people is the killer, yeah, and all the others will get murdered. <laughs> but it's actually quite hard to keep track of who's who because they don't really mention anyone's names in the actual party. No, it took me it took me a little while to because re- one like they're all slightly you know olive skinned and dark haired. Um, mm. So I'd like there's the old one with the glasses. There's the one with the yes. handlebar moustache, and then there's the other two. And I kept getting the other two mixed up. Mm. Um, there's the one who's got like a pink shirt on that you can see through, and he's got a very hairy chest. So that's not a good look. Um, <laughs> But I kept forgetting what their names were. And then you, you sort of yeah. cut back to them for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, you're being sort of set up that these, like, you know, as, as each yeah. of them dies, it's fairly obvious that the killer is going to be one person in this in this mm. room. Yes, and the, and the, the the hairy, creepy guy is, is Professor Campitelli. Actually, yes, he, he's the one that says uh, there was an a- ancient civilization that marked the immoral with a dragonfly. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, actually, this scene reminds me of the one that sort of early on in um, Perfume of a Lady in Black when they're kind of explaining the highly problematic African rituals that then kind of yes. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what sprung to mind. So there's they're definitely riffing on on other jelly things. Um, but anyway, uh, so of the of the other people there, so there's Vittorio, who's the uh, gay fashion guy. Um, and I will say, actually, in a lot of movies of this sort, um, they would make more of the gay guy and, you know, sort of the, the inspector's reaction to him. And the inspector just seems pretty chill with it. So it, in that way, it's by, by sort of not mentioning it, it's progressive-ish, I guess. Um, They're not very progressive I mean, when it comes to the, the cross-dressing guy, are they? No, and, once... and and he and he is still very swishy and very camp. He is still very John Inman, but but you know compared to what we've seen in some of the other films we've done of late, uh, it, it, it's progress of a sort, I guess. Um, uh, and yes, so there's the couples are um, Edmund, Edmundo and Ingrid, and Claudia and Pietro, um, and then you immediately see Ingrid going to see a guy who she's having an affair with who is the head of a drug gang but we don't really sort of find that out in any concrete way until much later that, in the film that took me a while because yeah. the next time you see him he's taking off his makeup and it yes. took me a while to realize who that was because he's a they, he's need, a they of... need to seed a bit given that we waste so much time with just beating up crap nazis mm. um which has nothing to do with the plot we'd like we Need to seed a bit more into character motivations. Is, yeah. is one of the, yeah. I sort of lost count of who of <laughs> who people were. And he's sort of a, a cross-dressing cabaret drug lord, which is a which is a, a twist. Um, anyway, we, we've established that the professor has this necrophilia fetish, so he pays 
the guy that, that a few people have talked about, Mohammed, who runs the you know drugs and prostitution, um, to sleep with this stripper. We also see her strip off first, because of course, um, before she gets into a coffin and then gets murdered. So of course, as you said, uh, setting up uh, a, a fairly obvious red herring. She gets they... killed in a quite in a quite. We see her hand get cut off, don't we? Yes, yes, we do. Um, so then uh, Inspector Scaparelli Paolo uh, goes to the club where um, he, he has an informant. But again, we don't see the informant until way later. So it's like, how did he... Uh, but anyway, so it's sort of, again, slightly confusing. Yeah, he how meets he... this woman in a club and I couldn't work out who she was. Yeah. And, and so she is a uh, an, another prostitute who um, was friends with the the one who was just murdered. Um, and she's the one that sends him um, to, you know, go and find the person that, you know, who might be responsible. But it's actually a setup so that he will uh, he will get beaten up by the slightly rubbish Nazi gang. Having having sort of been beaten up, uh, he then tells the commissioner, who kind of quite quickly jumps to the conclusion that if they're Nazis, there must also be a white slave ring. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a leap, isn't it? Rather than you know, it's a, it's a you know, it's a jump. Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah exactly um and then there's a great scene again it's back with it's always silvana and and paolo um where he, he's had the shit kicked out of him um they're having dinner and it's supposed to be his birthday <laughs> and she also makes fun of his shirt which is like you know on top of everything yeah. your shirt is rubbish and yeah. yeah and 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 the present that i ordered for you hasn't turned up which it then does, and of course, as we mentioned, it's actually Mohammed's head in a box. Um, and a note, and this is kind of where it's sort of, I, I guess they're trying to tie it together with the, the fact that he specifically knows all of these people because, you know, the note says, I've done you a favour by getting rid of um, Mohammed who sent those Nazis, uh, you know, don't don't try and pursue me. And, you know, Sylvana's upset, but she takes it very well that, like, there's a head on, <laughs> the severed head on her table. Anyway, so the so um, the, the guy who, the informant who was sort of vaguely mentioned earlier, who sent Paolo to see the prostitute who then sent him to the Nazis, it's a guy called Milanese, because, you know, we are really leaning into the Italian thing. Um, Mr. Italy. Mr. Italy. Um, so he phones to say he's got some more evidence, which is like, you know, writing your best girl back home in a World War II film. It, you know, in a Jallo, do not ever phone to say you've got some evidence. They do it twice in this movie, which yep. is, is great. Um, so um, uh, Paolo goes to meet Milanese at the junkyard. He's dead uh, and has a butterfly next to him. There's, I, I sort of... I, the, this is all tra- tracked with uh, the whole film is tracked with like library music, so there's no specific composer. Um, I don't know what the piece of music here is called, but I kind of in my notes I called it "Funky Shootout" um, because you do get quite Fair a enough, sort of. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um, so he shoots one of the Nazis uh, in in uh, you know warning shot in the knee, you know that sort of thing. Um, the killer gets so he says that they found him dead and the killer had got away, which the killer then runs off. Um, then Vittorio, the camp guy, comes back and says he knows who makes the buttons. And there's a slightly pointless scene where the, you know, the guy's landlord turns out to be sort of a horrible uh, spouse abusing drunkard for no special reason. Um, and the 
the guy who makes the buttons has apparently committed suicide. Now, there's no inference because I, I was expecting, oh, they'll find a button, find a dragonfly, yeah, because he's been killed off, but they don't. So I don't know if that was planned well, and not shot. Also, there's or... like they go into his flat and it's full of girl, girly pictures mm. and Hitler. Yes, a picture of Hitler, not Hitler. That would be silly. That'd be um, but it, it goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So this fashion guy was he in with the Nazis? Um, but it's. It doesn't mean because he he just makes the button. I'm not sure he's relevant to the plot, is he? Yeah, it's a bit odd because um, it doesn't. then really, again, as you say, it doesn't really have any bearing later on. Because it could just be like, oh yeah, I found who I found the nice buttons and I gave some to yeah. X character that will be important later. But no, they, I, I think that's kind of a bit of a filler scene, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the professor is now being blackmailed about the uh, the or is he blackmailing the killer? No, he's no, blackmailing he, the killer. He's That's worked right. out who yeah. the killer is. Yeah, and then he said um, he's going to leave Italy and he wants he wants a lot of money. So yeah. meet me at this lonely um, deserted uh, funhouse. Deserted funhouse. Yeah. Which uh, have you seen that Pat Oswalt thing about the clowns? No. There's a there's a brilliant Pat Oswalt tweet. Um, uh, the, the march against depicting clowns as a cre- uh, as creepy is still happening tonight at dusk at the edge of the woods near the abandoned lunatic <laughs> asylum. The Calliope we rented is out of tune, but we're going to play it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's so perfect. And, and the killer dresses up as an orangutan to hide in oh, the yeah, funhouse and to, kill him. To, 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 is... to you know, you know, steal credibility from the story. Yeah. Um, would you not like if you were going to do this? Would you not say like I've, I've made some interest, By the way, if I die. I've I've left I've left I've left, left a note left a yeah. note saying you did it and I've told instructions yeah. to anyone to open it if I if I die yeah I never think of that do they yeah um, there's then this kind of quick scene uh, do you remember do you remember from uh, the party uh, Pietro and uh, Edmundo uh, probably not because you know now they're wearing like sunglasses and golfing gear and it's actually yeah quite I, hard to t- identify I had them. to rewind the scene and go who are those two and then realise it was the two yeah. blokes from the from the party that looked similar. Uh, but yeah. we haven't seen them since then. Then you know, like 30, no. 30 minutes has gone by. Um, Indeed. Um, and uh, so I think it's Edmundo who is complaining that he thinks his wife is cheating, and cuck. she is with the cross-dressing cuck. dealer. Uh, he is indeed. Um, and then, so there's then a... Uh, oh, then it's Vittorio's turn to call and say, I know who... I know about the buttons. Uh, come and meet me. Don't do that. Um, yeah. And so then they find him. They find his body. Um, and instead of writing down the killer is, who you know, because he because kn- he knows the he killer. knows He's it, done- that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so he instead go- of do- he does a sketch with a little mark on it that's sort of symbolic. And they're all like, "Ooh, what's that mark?" And and Silvana's like, "I recognise that from somewhere." But what he could have done is just written, "Yeah, it was that guy." Um, <laughs> if he had time to do a sketch, isn't uh, that sort of how Dan Brown, the Da Vinci Code, starts? Oh, is it? Th- that involves. I've not seen it, but I what, once in two. Oh, I read the book ages in two thousand and four. I read the book over one day. That was yeah interminable. Um, but it starts, if my memory serves, oh, yes. with a priest getting getting murdered in a in a in a in a church, and then he leaves a biblical as he dies. He leaves a biblical reference, which is a clue uh, mm. for, to find out, rather than just write Jesus had kids or something. Yes, like that. And yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Which would have made yeah, the plot a, a, a lot simpler. As he's expiring, he's like, we need to fill two hours. Um, <laughs> anyway, Sivani, I can't remember where she saw it, but she's going to work on it. Um, and then we have another little kind of filler scene with um, uh, Pietro this time, one of the golfing party people, um, talking to his wife, Claudia, about uh, Edmundo having... Uh, and and his wife having an affair and and she Claudia gets annoyed um, when I think Pietro says he's a bit of a player or something. Yeah. Um, so so she's having an affair with him fairly obviously. Um, th- this this will sort of be important but not really. Um, this is the bit. The next scene is the bit where uh, Paolo comes home and as you said, Silvana's just like sitting on the bed completely naked with all the evidence out in front of her looking at, you know, looking through photos because it's what you do, yeah. uh, I guess. Um, and naturally that means, you know, they have sex. We finally get the wrap up of the Ingrid subplot. So the guy she's seeing, Ruggiero, is uh, a cross-dressing nightclub performer who's using the uh, amusement park, the abandoned amusement park, as a, as a home for their drug dealing activity. This is not really important um and she's the one that bought the buttons and put them on a coat i hope everyone's following this yeah um and then we have the the, oh that yeah then we also have the uh the the uh, cross-dressing chap you know being uh chased onto the roller coaster well he makes he makes he makes a getaway through the Grabs his wig first because yeah, he's taking his wig puts off. it on because it all looks stupid when you're, <laughs> when, you're, when you're running in heels. You want, you, want, you want to commit to the drag bit if you're being chased by the police onto a roller coaster. And they're all shooting. Um, and then he, but then yeah. he makes his escape by getting on a roller coaster. Which... Yeah, and, that, and that's dumb as well because Paul Nashy stops the roller coaster while he's at the top yeah. instead of just letting it come back around so they can get him. Um, and he, fall, uh, he falls off anyway. Um, well, they shoot him off. Uh, they shoot him off, yes. And it seems that the only function of those people dying is everyone else who might be a suspect then isn't uh, is 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 killed off. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, probably. So that you're basically left with the bloke in the pink shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't uh, we haven't killed off Edmundo yet. Though, no, we, we haven't killed off Edmundo. Sorry. No. Uh, you don't remember their names. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, well, it's because I went back and wrote them all down. Um, Edmundo, um, so there's the, the photo, this is brilliant. Um, so Savannah finds a photo of all of, it, all of the friends um, around Edmundo's pool um, with someone out of shot whose arm has a, the birthmark on it that, that Vittorio drew. Um, and But it's blindingly obvious it's Pietro because he's the only one not in the fucking photo yeah um so you know it must be him um it, it then transpires yes edmundo has been sleeping with claudia the, um pietro's wife he says he's going to tell the police about the coat because uh ingrid gave claudia the coat edmundo's killed by pietro that's, that's, you know there's, it's, there's, no, there's no point to beating around the bush now um, um the coroner the coroner has another beard and no mustache to the point where i actually thought he was the inspector for for a bit the uh, police chief um well, he gets killed with a um a club uh, a golf club oh golf club yeah um uh and there's that whole bit where 
Paolo saying, well, a woman could have wielded the golf club, but it's not a woman. Yeah, that's something as well, because the, the, the coroner said like it took someone of great strength. And he says, no, it's it's a club. If you're if you're wielding it, if you know what you're doing with a golf club, it's probably mm. a woman. Um, yeah. But then it, well, it could have been a woman. Strength is not an indicator, is what he's saying, which is one, mm. a lot to say you know more than, than, than the coroner necessarily suggesting, mm. or the pathologist, sorry. But two, it's a massive clue that they're talking about the bloke who played golf earlier. Um, yes. and not a yes. woman um, so as far as red herrings goes that's that doesn't really that yep. doesn't really hold up yeah uh, at this point Silvana decides she's going to go and see Pietro because if you think someone's a killer you should probably go and you know chill at their factory uh, Paolo picks up a message from Silvana saying that's what she's gone to do because she realised he's got the birthmark um, Piet- Paolo's now worked out from a report that he's received that Pietro's now let me let me pass this Pietro's mum uh had an affair so his dad became his dad who was a professor became a drug addict and then committed suicide and then his mum who'd now abandoned him became a prostitute and I think also died so the fact that his wife then had an affair caused him to snap and want to kill clean drug, clean drug users kill. and prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, kind of, that's kind of it, isn't it? Yeah, something, something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, Paolo races to um, the the sort of basement of of uh, the factory. Um, where, you know, Sylvana's found the, the murder room with all the weapons and stuff in it and then, of course, got caught. There's a brilliant bit, actually, when um, Paolo's about to kick in the door and uh, he's kind of in profile, lit from behind, and you can see the gap in the massive lift that he's got on his shoes because um, Paul Nashy was not a tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I really quite enjoyed that. Um, anyway, so... Uh, one of the there's a weird thing there's a there's an interesting bit and it's not subtitled on any of the on the the subtitle track on the the blu-ray um the book that he that that she picks up and is looking at is called something like the crimes among the hot which i assume is some sort of is it like a gazetteer of you know rich people doing crimes is it a trashy novel it's kind of a bit weird to kind of focus Mm. on anyway um but anyway you know the weapons and the dragonflies are all in there Paolo races to with with some you know police support to um, the building site next door, uh, which I think I don't know one of them's an architect. I think it's meant to be like a related building. They say it next door and then they drive up to it, so it's not that next door. Um, and they find Claudia's body and Pietro about to kill Silvana, um, but then they uh, he and Paul Nash have a fight, and of course. Uh, Pietro's rather obvious dummy gets dropped down a lift shaft onto some, you know, pointy up rebars. Uh, and the, the film ends as the camera zooms in on the birthmark on his arm. Um, oh, and, and obviously the the um, the dragonfly that's going to last... lose uh, is next to him. Indeed. Uh, because, you know, what what's a worse sin than, than murder? Um, it moves very quickly. It's not dull. <laughs> it isn't. It's just a huge shame that there's... Because there's a lot of good stuff there. 
they could bring more of the supporting characters out, but instead they waste time on subplots that don't go anywhere and yeah. filler fights that are inconsequential. Yes. Whereas if you could do a bit more, and I see why, because if you want, you know, you want a bit of action, you want a bit of distraction. Mm. But as you said, this is like slightly past the the heyday of the um, of, of, yeah of, of the genre. So the idea that you're making something that doesn't have to make sense plot-wise as long as it looks cool is slightly mm. less important because in many ways mm. you have to pay attention to the dialogue. Well, because the, the the plot is sort of... The, the way I would dis, I would kind of frame it is it, it's, not, it's not daft enough and it's too complicated. Yeah. Because if it, if it had some, like, completely, you know, at the hour mark, some, like, utterly farcical twist, I'd be like, well, it's a jello. Um... And but it sort of doesn't, and it also has just like lots of, as you said, inconsequential kind of side missions, yeah, uh, that that don't really go anywhere, and it, it you know sort of clearly trying to kind of, you know, as you say, sort of pick off the red herrings, you know, Paul Paul Nashy, um wrote this as he did with most of his films, or at least co-wrote. And ah, he wrote it. What, okay. What What's interesting about him? Because he's mostly known, certainly in the West anyway, but probably at home, to be fair, as as a kind of traditional horror actor, you know. So he did, you know, famously 10, 12 movies playing the same werewolf. And and the thing about those movies is they tend to be a bit mental. Like, they, they are sort of quite dreamlike, and it's sort of, yeah, the plot doesn't really hang together, but there's enough, like, weird stuff happening to make it interesting. Trippy visuals and sort of you know colored smoke and you know that that kind of stuff that just makes euro horror a bit you know more of a, a to be experienced rather than sort of well you know that doesn't make sense um and i think even when we did blue eyes of the broken doll i think that's even got a bit of that in it not a ton but it's a little bit more kind of like oh that's just that's weird you know um that was the one with the the where he's the handyman sort of criminal on the run who becomes a handyman to yeah. the sort of three nympho nymphomaniac sisters um and the someone's cutting out everyone's eyes um and, and this sort of doesn't have that i think by you know as you i think you're right by trying to play it straight as a more of a police procedural it actually loses the thing that would have made it interesting or not 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 interesting but made it compelling maybe but yet the things it is it is neither it suffers from being one neither one thing nor the other mm. it's not batshit enough uh and quite stylish enough to be the shallow mm. it's too silly and pointless in too much of its subplots to be a decent thriller mm. uh, and i think that's a shame because um it's got a, it's got a lot going for it it's a larger than cast than you might expect there's a good mm. sort of 15 deaths Yes, um, yeah, there which, are, is, which is far more than you normally get in a in, in a jello. Uh, mm. Only about a third of them are women. Mm. Yes, that's true, actually, which is unusual. And and that while there are, you know, at least sort of three, maybe four, sort of very salacious um, tits and blood death scenes, that's over and done with quite early on and then everyone else is you know as you said is like either guys or you know female characters being killed so as not to reveal the killer rather than you know it being the sort of more salacious approach so 
Yeah, it, I, I kind of get. It's almost like they had some post-its. I don't think post-its have been invented then. Um, but you know, like this is what goes into a Jello, right? So we've got to have you know the sort of boobs with blood on. We've got to have someone getting the hand cut off. We need some esoteric weapons. You know, we need some sort of stylish visu- visuals. We we literally need a funky soundtrack, so we'll go to like the you know library music yeah. place and just pick bits off other jelly uh, to put on the soundtrack. Which In many ways, do. the girlfriend out thinks the cop the, the copper, although she's still tied up and needs rescuing at the end. Yes, um, but she's even though she has no reason to investigate the case, that's not how this works. As I said, no. she's a lot more effective. In fact, do you know what? Not only does you know. Um, Seven steal from this in terms of the vigilante killer and the head in the box. Silence of the Lambs steals from this as well. Uh, when the police <laughs> think they've all got some, at least you know, at least Starling is a is, an, is a trainee FBI agent, but yeah. it's her that turns up and finds where the killer is after yeah. being told to back off, and then yeah. they've got to go in quick and rescue her. But then at least has sufficient agency to actually kill the kill, you know, sort of, yeah, yeah, of you know, course, not need yes, to be rescued. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's a shame because I honestly, I I mean, I wouldn't kind of stuck it in if i didn't quite like it but i like it sort of probably in spite of its shortcomings as opposed to the ones where i like it because of its shortcomings yeah no i see that halfway through this i was very impressed and then Mm. yeah and then it and then it fell apart into non into nonsense as we for the reasons for the reasons just discussed but uh it's the first time i've been disappointed with the shallow in that way uh which Mm. in itself is quite refreshing um, yeah, you know, it isn't a feminist tract by any sense, but it's less problematic than it, than it might be. While um, I'm annoyed uh, of, of, of its uh, narrative shortcomings because it had the potential to be more, rather than shrugging and going, "Well, that's not the point of this film, is it?" Mm. Um, which is a which is a shame, but also uh, applaud this that it uh, that it made me feel something different in the first place. And I probably mm. w- should watch some Paul, more Paul Nashy as I found him strangely engaging. Yeah, the, the the reason why most Paul Nash films work is because he's sort of oddly charismatic. He's this kind of, you know, former bodybuilding, you know, short guy who's very clearly suffering from male pattern baldness. Um, and in this one, actually, like normally he wears sort of quite obvious toupees, but in this one he doesn't, which I think kind of plays into his sort of, you know, schlubby cop thing quite nicely. So it does. That, that was kind of fun. And also, but also it, it may slightly ruin it if you've obviously watched The Far Show, and particularly watched John Thompson in any of the Channel 9 sketches. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 100%. Chris Waddle. Um yeah. oh god, we turned into those middle-aged men again. Um We are those middle-aged men. We are those middle-aged men, yes. We 100% correct. Um I've been, yeah, quote, so... I've been quoting the far show for half my life. I know. <laughs> oh, but anyway, that's that's something to sort of take 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 from it. But that's that, that, that's as much about the the uh uh, the, the the sort of beauty of um, of, of the observance of sketches mm. like Channel Nine on on, on even though they're in South South America, but it's got mm. this rather worn masculinity that's that's, yes. that's uh, which now can be enjoyed for being slightly silly, but at the time was yes. seen as you know, right as the the uh, as the as the masculine ideal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I would certainly you know his his werewolf movies and some of his other horror movies. Like I I can't. I couldn't honestly say, yeah, they're great, but they really are interesting. Mm. Um, especially the Walpurgis Night or uh, the Werewolf versus the Vampire Women, which is just like, I, I mean, I, I've never, I've never dropped acid, but 
I, I feel like, you know, that that's a, a flavor of what that must be like, because it's like, what now? What? What? Now he's a werewolf. What? Sorry. What's going on? Um, Talking of dropping yeah. acid. Have you seen um, Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes? No. I've been wanting to see that for like three, two or three years. I finally mm. saw it on Saturday and it was. Ah. <laughs> oh, really? It's a shame because it it's again a lot of potential. Anyway, there's a there's a big acid dropping scene in it, right. in it as well, which funnily is sort of where the film goes up goes goes awry a bit. Almost like <laughs> right. they almost like the crew had done it too. <laughs> yeah, no, I was busy uh, as as well as having COVID um, watching the ITV thing about the post office because I like hurting my own. Yeah, I, I, I can't. It's just too depressing. I've read about that in Private Eye now for some time. And I couldn't watch a drama. I'm, it's very, well, it's very good, but no, God, I'm very glad it happened. And... Properly punching. Um, anyway, what have we got next? Well, the nice thing about sort of not having a, a, a specific through line is I can sort of juggle things around a bit because I was looking at what I originally had planned, and I thought, you know what, let's do, let's do another Fulci film next. Um, so we are going to do uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin which is the Jallo with Stanley Baker in it. So uh, so that's one to uh, to look forward to. I think you'll like that one. Stanley Baker. Oh, wait, Stanley Baker. Yeah. Do you know yeah. why I always get Stanley Baker mixed up with? Stanley yeah. Baxter. I mean, if there was a Jallo with Stanley Baxter in it, I would and watch it because that sounds amazing. It was... Because it was on a bit, maybe it was a bit sort of old Mother Riley meets the vampire, sort of like, sort of meets the <laughs> Hello! Yeah, that'd be amazing. So I had sort of like Stanley Baxter. There is, there is a drag. lot of cross, there is a lot of cross-dressing in Jally. There's a lot of transvestitism, problematic transvestitism. So no, my God, Stanley Baker is in. Stanley Baker, yes. Right. And what year is this? I want to see where we are in Stanley Baker's uh, career. Uh, 1971. I think it, I oh. think it's maybe... Possibly like the last thing he did before he died, even. Good lord! Certainly, right up there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so this is, and it's not, it's not David Icke. Uh, it's not David Icke. <laughs> no. I mean, of course, this time no. David Icke was probably in goal for Coventry. Um... No, it's 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 a uh, it's a figurative lizard, uh, not not an actual one. So so the the Illuminati lizards. Uh, well, maybe they are. Maybe it's to, maybe it was made to throw us off the scent. Who knows? Double bluff. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Dave. Till next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Signori, where you'll get early access to episodes for a mere pound a month. Signori in Jallo is edited and produced by me, Dave Thomas. Until next time, goodbye.